from the Thai Cats Audio Network. This is the Thai Cats This Week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. Great to have you with us for Thai Cats This Week. I'm RJ Broadhead. He is Luke Tasker. We are looking forward to calling the last road game of the regular season for the Tiger Cats. They visit BMO Field and the Toronto Argonauts. Argonauts have not lost at BMO Field. They lead the division. However, Luke, it's exciting time of year with two games left in the regular season. If Hamilton wins out, they get first place. They're kind of holding their destiny in their own hands. How important is that for a team to be able to have that control? Yeah, I think it's huge. And I love, the, I love that feeling as a player of securing the postseason. That's a huge check mark. That's great. But, but, I, but there is no understating, no overstating, excuse me, how important the, that, or how valuable that bye week can be. Yes, teams have won the Grey Cup without the bye week, absolutely. But it, that extra week of rest and then a home game guaranteed after, it is the best path to, to, to get to the Grey Cup. And so I, I, uh, I, all the cards still in their deck, all the control uh, uh, within, their, within their grasp, is just there's still a lot to play for these last two games. Do you get the sense, so going into the last bye week, that was the one point loss to Toronto, yep. and Hamilton was four and five at that point. They had the bye week. They've won three in a row for the first time this season. That first game out against Ottawa and the game since, and I guess right to the end, do you feel like they've kind of been playing playoff football from since they came out of that bye week? Yep, I do. And, uh, you know, that bye week was sort of the – peak of the season you know you could kind of the end was in sight after that and we and you, you had everything lined up and you just had to go do it and I mean they're they're they have a chance here to finish five and oh in the regular season and really be playing as best as, as as good as anybody in the league uh but something changed in there you know uh, uh that particularly the offensive production and the way that Jeremiah has controlled the ball and controlled the offense and uh, avoided turnovers uh, their big play, their big plays have increased, especially in that Ottawa game. That was, you know, an amazing amount of explosive plays. Uh, they've just done a great job uh, scoring turnovers, explosives. Those those indicators lead to success. Uh, and I don't know, have they been? Have they played their best yet? There's certainly been corrections in each game, but I think that if they keep on this trajectory of the way that they've performed, uh, the way that they've been complementary in the three phases. You know, I think they're going to make a real run for it. It's interesting when you look at these matchups. Usually Hamilton and Toronto play three times in the regular season with this different 14-game season. It's, it's uh, four games head-to-head. They're both very good this year. First place on the line. Uh, Hamilton hasn't trailed by more than three points in their last seven games. Last time they trailed by more than that was against Toronto. That was mm. in Toronto just after... Um, Labor Day and wound up being a one-point game. So that was back on October the 11th. And the last meeting at Tim Hortons Field when Hamilton led 13-5 to after the third quarter, let's revisit some of this good luck for Toronto and, and bad luck for Hamilton. It was 34 seconds to go. It was third and six against this great Tiger Cats defense. And McLeod Bethel-Thompson completes that pass to Dejan Brissett, who hadn't caught a pass all game for 13 yards. The first down, a 51-yard field goal by Boris Beattie with no time on the clock. I mean, you just look back at these games, and so many have gone right for Toronto, 
And those close games just haven't gone Hamilton's way. Toronto's won six of their games by three points or less. It's they have incredible. eight wins on the season. It, it, it's crazy when you think about it. It is. And, you know, some of those wins would have gone to Hamilton and some would have gone to Montreal. So, like, you know, you, know, you never know how the East would have shaken out if, that, if those games had been different. But here's I, – I just – as a player, it, when you win by, by one point, there's still a notch on your belt. You made it happen. You you made it work. And so to say, you know, I don't like to overstate the idea that, well, Hamilton's lost these close games. Toronto has won these close games. So they're almost even. You know, I don't like to – and, of course, they all there are almost even in the standings. I don't – you know, I don't want to – you know, it's not like Toronto's way ahead. But a win is a win. And, and you could call – there were certainly aspects of luck, and there were certainly aspects in luck of some of the games Hamilton won. But – they found a way to do it, and you just have to give them credit for eight wins that they have, even though they have, comparatively, statistically, it, it doesn't, it really, honestly, doesn't even look like a winning team on paper when you take away that win-loss column. <laughs> but they found a way to do it. It's really, it's really interesting how they've just, how they've, how they've muscled that out, and you have to give them credit for what they've earned. Yeah, that definitely takes character. There's some skill involved when you win those close games, some yeah. luck involved when you win those close games. Yeah. And again, Hamilton, they can win the season series. This could be their last road game of the year. Like when you think about it, if they're able to win out, wow. they would host the East Final. And if they make it past that, they'd host the Grey Cup. So potentially, and I hope Coach O isn't listening because <laughs> the focus is the next game, not exactly uh, three or four down the road, but uh, it, it puts it into perspective how close we are to the finish line here. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I have, I have a particular way that I feel about BMO Field, and, I, and it's very fondly. And I love okay, I, yeah. and I think it's a great – I love the grass. The end zones are a little weird, don't get me wrong, but uh, I love the grass, and I love the 45-minute drive my family from Buffalo came up to the Toronto games just like they came up to Hamilton games. So if you consider that, you know, the, the, the Ticats B stadium, well, then Edmonton was the last away game of the season potentially. And it's just what a sweet, what a sweet spot that they find themselves in and with an opportunity ahead of themselves. And, you know, I, I I'm going to say that Coach O probably gets his Ticat news somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he tunes into our show, but maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Keeps an eye on us, maybe. But uh, yeah, yeah. you're probably right. He makes the news. That's right. (laughs) Uh, I know you've talked about the end zones at BMO Field before, but maybe we've got some new listeners that you said they're weird. Explain that. Yeah, so that, because, you know, that's built for soccer. They're soccer first in Toronto, uh, you know, Toronto Football Club, and they that stadium has the end zones built to roll out stands for the soccer fields and other, and other things, concerts and whatnot. So they, those, and it's a beautiful grass surface. I mean, it's really nice. And I've always felt like I could be running as fast as I possibly could and stop with one foot in the ground, which is a very, very difficult thing to do on a lot of surfaces. But you know, that was, that was the, for me as a receiver, you're trying, you're always working on speed and these ways you're younger saying how I want to get faster, faster, faster. And at some point you're as fast as you're going to be. And you, but your athleticism can help you to stop quickly. And so that was a big part of my game. And at BMO, I felt like I could just be, I could stop on a, on a instant, on a dime because that grass is forgiving, but (laughs) at the goal line. So if you're at the, uh, you know, the, on the end zone near the water, there, it changes the turf like a yard or so into the end zone. And then, (laughs) 
And then the rest of it is turf. And the end zones are like 17 yards deep as opposed to the CFL 20 yard. Right. And then the other end zone, it's right at the goal line. It's turf in the end zone and grass for the, for the open field. And that turf is not like Tim Horton's field or any of the other CFL state. It's not a, it's really not a great turf. It's like, uh, it's as if you had a Tim Hortons field with no rubber underneath the, the green grass. <laughs> so it's like rock solid and it's like slippery. Like your cleats don't work in it. So, Oh wow. And I've said this before, but it's just too good of a, it's just such a CFL thing. We spent hours of the Toronto week when June Jones was, was there just drawing up these cool little plays that were you could be running fast on the grass, but your defender would be inevitably in the end zone. And so you could stop hard and, you know, we'd do all these things. And, uh, and run these little – June Jones had a 1,000 flat routes and, and crossing routes in his offense already, but we would hammer those in the, green, in the score zone, and it makes it – it's fun and interesting. So, but you got to have it in mind because if you try to go run a really hard, say, a corner cut when you're already in the end zone, you're going to fall. I mean, you, like, honestly, hmm. you gotta, you got to run differently down there. It's interesting. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that for tomorrow's game, 7.30 yeah. start, by the way. A lot on the line, first place. If the Argos win, they clinch top spot. Hamilton wins, they'll clinch at least a home playoff game, which is extremely important. But if Hamilton wins out, they would win the division. And, you know, the home playoff game is important, but you look at 11 of the last 12 division winners – made the gray cup. So you, you really want that path of least resistance to, to get to that gray cup and, and get that rest. It seems to be a real advantage. Yeah, I think it is. I, I can't remember the stat, but there's a very small percentage of teams that have been third place in one. It, ha- it does happen. I, believe I think Hamill, uh, sorry, Winnipeg was the last in 2019. Okay. Oh, or it was third. Not, a, not a first place team. Oh, not a first. To okay. make it to the gray cup. Yeah. And the, it is 100%. It's not only the bye week it's the combination of a, of a week of rest and then a home game. And it's just to do that, to do two games back to back, one of them have it no, definitely has to be on the road. Boy, it's a hard, that's a hard hill to climb. Not impossible. Not, not, uh, you know, especially I, I remember when we, we in 2013 beat Toronto in Toronto for the Eastern final after having won against Montreal at Guelph during that whole year of, of, different stadiums and busing to practice in adversity. And sometimes I think to, to walk the other side of this argument here is that if you have an amazing Eastern semifinal, you kind of can ride that wave if you're healthy enough and you kind of have this momentum going into a team that's been sitting on the couch. But hands down, if I had to pick one and take it, it's going to be a bye week and a home game. So, you know, it's again, it's in their, in their grasp within their reach. And, and that's what Toronto is saying as well, right? That everything yep. is in their control. Yeah, Toronto's been a lot more vocal about how this is the most important game of the year. The Tiger Cats have stayed the course with the, it's the next game. So it's the most important. And the Argos have gone a, a little further out to say this is our most important game of the year yeah. and we, we have to win it. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I know that's more of a, a media thing than what happens in the, with the coaches and the players couple of great things with Hamilton. No interceptions in their last seven games. The CFL record is eight games. It just, mm. you know, we're calling the games, and it's probably good when we'd be surprised if there, if there was an interception. You know, I haven't even thought of it during the game. Mm-hmm. And thinking back, Jeremiah Masoli's decisions have been so rock solid. 
there haven't been many close that yeah should have been picked off they, they've been very accurate and almost ex- exclusively to a tiger cat receiver being the only one who could catch the ball yeah and he's also his completion percentage has been has been great as well and I, the thing that i find most interesting is that i i would say i think it's sort of undeniable that their play calling and their 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 approach offensively has been more aggressive. It's not yes. like they're, they do have a good balance with the run right game right now. I I've felt in the last three games, their run game balance has been uh, much better or substantial, but they're, they're throwing the ball down the field. Tommy Condell is giving Jeremiah Mazzoli the chance to make downfield throws. It's not like they've got their foot off the gas. I think Jeremiah just has a knack right now for protecting the football. It's on in his mind, but at the same time, he's allowing himself the freedom to take a shot and, and, and make a play. I would love to see, I would love to see the Ticats get that record. And of course it wasn't just Jeremiah, you know, there was, there was, uh, uh, David, David, David were both, and, yep. exactly. And they, they both played and, yep. a part of that as well. But uh, but the three of them to sort of make that happen, uh, Jeremiah has these cool records already with the most completions in a row and things like that. So that would be a great stat for this team to, to do. Their season has been an upward trajectory, and that would be a great sign of that. Yeah, it's 144 pass attempts for Masoli now without an interception. His last interception thrown was against Toronto. That was on September the 10th. Of course. Uh, you, you, yeah, exactly. You talked about the running game. Don Jackson uh, injured. He He won't be there will that have a huge impact on the tiger cats offense yeah he certainly showed up in the past couple of weeks and and he's been uh, a name that we've talked about during the broadcast you know a few times but i assume and i'm hoping that sean thomas erlington is healthy and, and able to to uh to make an appearance he, whenever he's had a chance to perform he's done it and he's done it at a high level he's made big plays he's had explosive runs um my hope that of what we see is is no less of an emphasis on on a on a balanced uh pass and run game no matter who's back there for the first time i think this season simone lawrence isn't the leading total tackler on the tiger cats Hmm. jovan santos knox with those back-to-back 10 tackle games is now just ahead of Simone Lawrence, but he's, he's really emerged as, as a great middle linebacker, which was a bit of a new position for him coming in. But when a defensive player puts together back-to-back games of double-digit tackles, uh, it's a pretty good sign, isn't it? Yeah, I've enjoyed watching Jovan Santos-Knox and Cameron Kelly, and then, and then the, of course, the veteran Simone Lawrence. And that, that linebacking core, they've just been sound. They also have just been, part, you know, part of every game they've they haven't had the turnover of other position groups that we've seen they've just been uh, consistent and sound but i do hope we see simone break uh, get rob hitchcock's record i think that'd be a good good mark for the season if we could see that i think he's seven behind now so that's okay. doable in a game mm. for simone lawrence yeah and, and just finally luke it's an important game it's a big game tiger cats in toronto what in your opinion that has to go right for the tiger cats for them to win on friday we have been talking about it for weeks. They got to continue to not turn the ball over. I think there's a. I don't love the way that the penalties have shaken out. I think that I think that there's been too much of an impact in games for uh, from penalties against the Tie Cats. Um, I would just like to see some sound play on that, especially in the return game, especially in special in the special teams in general. I'd like to see a penalty free game. Um, 
that's a high bar to set a penalty free special teams performance, but I would love to, I would love to see uh, a, a, an increase in, in just controlled and controllable penalties uh, and avoiding them, but to keep the ball in, the, in their hands, I think that the offense is going to be the offense that we've seen. I think they're going to continue to execute what would kill this game for the Ticats is, is costly turnovers. And if they continue to protect the way they have, I do think that they'll, they'll come out on top of this game. Well, I know you and I are looking forward to it. I know Ticats fans are looking forward to it. And, and the Tiger Cats, they have their destiny in their own hands. I can't wait to see you tomorrow for the game, Luke, because then we'll know the result and, Things will start to, to play out how they're Can't supposed wait. to. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. So 7.30 is kickoff, and Luke and I will have the call. And at 6.30, it's Ticats action. We'll be on Ticats Audio Network. First place is on the line. Tiger Cats can give themselves an opportunity to still finish in first. They need a win. But if the Argos win, they'll clinch first place in the East Division. The Ticats this week with RJ Broadhead and Luke Tasker. Like and subscribe to get their preview the last weekday before every Ticats game.